0: On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, Jake Donovan is here with us. We had three major fights this weekend, three different divisions, all with Canelo Alvarez looming over him. David Benavidez got the win. Janabek got the win. Joshua Buazzi got the win. We're going to talk uh, fight of the year discussion and a mailbag segment. Let's get into it. Let's talk boxing. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio. Got a fun one planned for you today. Jake Donovan is on the show, great writer, over at Boxing Scene. He was there in Arizona this past weekend to see David Benavida's destruction of David Lemieux. We're gonna talk about everything that's going on at 168. Uh, As we record this, it looks like Canelo Alvarez has uh, let the public know what his next plan is, and that's fighting Kanadi Golovkin for a third time at 168 for all the belts. I actually like this fight a lot. I was on the fence about it uh, before the b fight. I I didn't like, I didn't understand why we needed to see a third fight, you know, five years after their their second one, especially a second fight that I thought Canelo won. Uh, I had uh, Golovkin winning the first one. But the fact that Canelo's coming off of a loss, uh, the fact that uh, Golovkin hits hard, and he's willing to stand and trade, and he could potentially hand Canelo a second straight loss and send his career into a real tailspin, this is a big fight now. This has a lot of good storylines. Obviously, I want to see Canelo fight uh, a Benavidez. I want to see Canelo fight a Jamal Charlo. There's other fights I want to see Canelo win next. But if you're going to give me Golovkin a fun trilogy fight, if you learned anything from the uh, trilogies and if we learned anything from Fury and Wilder fighting for that third time, that was arguably the best fight of the three. Uh, you know that Golovkin can hit. You know that he can take a punch. Can he take shots to the body? Can Canelo bounce back? Fun fight at 168 pounds uh, this fall. Benavidez takes out Lemieux uh, stunning fashion. Uh, I thought that Lemieux would last a little bit longer. Obviously, I had uh, Lemieux, or excuse me, Benavidez winning in round 7-12. That did not happen. We'll talk about uh, what goes on at 168 with jake donovan Janabek, a uh, guy from kazakhstan uh, could be the future king at 160 pounds uh by process of elimination he had a huge win on espn we'll talk about that with jake as well and what's going on at 160 you got champions at 160 that are no longer going to be fighting at 160 are moving up to 168 then of course uh 175 pound uh picture which is a little clear a little more clear because uh, I don't think Canelo is going to be uh, hanging around 175 too long. So uh, the champions there are going to have to fight each other, or you, th- you would think uh, that they're going to fight each other. Before we get to Mr. Jake Donovan, i got to tell you about Manscaped. Sweaty sack summer is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. People, th- you know, sweaty sack summer is not approaching. Sweaty sack summer is here. <laughs> this past weekend in New York City, it was very hot. I was at the Yankee game, sweating everywhere besides my crotch. You know why? Because I was wearing the new boxers that they have for us. Uh, So breathable. It's like gills for your groin. They've even trademarked the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels. I think it's time, and it's time to do it now. So let your bulge breathe. (laughs) Get 20% off and free shipping using code BOXING at manscaped.com. That's code BOXING. Now, I also have right here the ball deodorant that uh, Manscaped sent me. It is a great, great product. Uh, this past Saturday was at the Yankee game, sweating profusely, but had the boxers on, the Manscaped boxers, felt phenomenal, felt cool down there. Also, after the game, you know, I had to go to my, my, my you know, the, the rest of the night. So I didn't have time to shower. So I threw on some of this Manscaped Crop Preserver ball deodorant, and I went on about my night, and I felt good. I felt great, you know. Let's just say you're on a date with your partner and catch that manscape on the wristband of your underwear. It's almost guaranteed to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on the highway to Pleasure Town. They also have the Lawnmower 4.0. It's the best electric trimmer for below-the-waist grooming. Please, guys, stop! Don't not use the the trimmer that you trim your beard with down there. That's just wrong. Come on, we're adults. Get the Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, the underwear is great. It's a great, it's just a a fantastic company and a fantastic product, Manscaped. Use code BOXING, and you get 20% off free shipping. That's manscaped.com, code BOXING. With that, let's get to Jake Donovan. All right, let's bring in our guest this week, Jake Donovan, BoxingScene.com, one of the best guys covering the sport right now. And the reason I love Jake so much, besides his great reporting, is that despite being out of New York for close to 20 years, still maintains the New York accent, <laughs> stays true to his roots. I right. love that. What's going on, Jake?
1: <laughs> Not much, Dan. Still got my New York uh, area code as well, so kept the 631. <laughs> yep.
0: And that's true because when we saw each other a few weeks ago for Taylor Serrano, you <laughs> showed up on day one decked out in New York Knicks gear. like I show. sure did, yeah. I didn't know like, if I
1: was at home or I looked like a tourist, but whatever, man. It's the one place where I could wear all of that. There so. we go. You just like... got back
0: from... <laughs> You're in Phoenix for David Benavidez versus David Lemieux. We were talking off air about uh, the atmosphere there. It seems like they're building something special. I know Top Rank did a few shows in Arizona, underutilized market, in my opinion. But it's pretty clear that they like their boxing and they love David Benavidez.
1: Yeah, well, it was a pleasant surprise about that. Um, There was a little bit of a risk because, you know, ticket sales were a little bit slow going into fight week. But, you know, the promoters had to be reminded That Glendale, apparently, which is right outside of Phoenix, is a very big walk-up town. So they said, you know, even if it's like 3,000, 4,000, don't worry, the fans will turn up. And sure enough, they turned up. They had um, the the upper deck, you know, uh, sectioned off, but the lower bowl was completely full. And even like the early guys, the guys from Mesa and, you know, the surrounding parts of Phoenix, they brought their fans. And it was just, it was rabid all night, whether there was 100 people in there or I I think it was close to 6,000. By the by, the time the main event rolled up, so it was yeah, it was a really good atmosphere. Fight week was terrific. Every event was well attended, so yeah, they're, they're doing a really, really good job.
0: Yeah, Benavidez walkout, which probably lasted longer than the fight, but it was something special. <laughs> I mean, you felt something different in yeah. the air, and that w- that was really nice to see. But we're gonna talk about the three main events this weekend. The three main yeah. events also took place in three different weight classes, Jake, but they all had ties to Canelo Alvarez, of course. Yeah, crazy. 160, 168, 175. It looks like Canelo has tipped his hand a little bit as we record this. It looks like uh, he says he will be fighting Gennady Golovkin uh, sometime in the fall. But let's start with where you were this weekend with David Benavidez' destruction of Lemieux. Now, I thought that Benavidez was going to win this fight big. Did not think it was yep. going to come that fast. Uh, Benavides right. told me last week, and he, I'm sure he's told this uh, to you as well, and boxing fans have seen this. If they've been watching Benavides' fight, it's that you know, he's not a one-punch knockout guy. He's an accumulator. Right. He's a guy that will break you down. But he landed that quick left hook that staggered uh, Lemieux in the first round and got him out of there. But I said this, once Benavides gets going and once he lets those hands go, he is a great combination uh, puncher, a great performance for Benavides.
1: Yeah, I I guess it depends on your viewpoint. I mean, for what Benavidez wanted to accomplish, this was a fantastic styles matchup. In terms of being competitive, it was miserable. I mean, it was just a volume puncher versus a guy with wide open defense. Um, I'm with you. I I knew it was going to be a brutal knockout. I thought it was, my my pick was six rounds or less, maybe five rounds or less. When I saw, you know, David Lemieux showed up with, you know, the dad bod at Friday's weigh-in. I was like, all right, maybe this one won't be competitive at all, but Yeah, he found that opening early. I think he even surprised himself. Once he found that opening, it was just like uppercut city. I mean, he had to, you know, you're you're the punch that guy, you know, but I don't know how many uppercuts he threw in those, you know, less than three rounds, but that had to been his dominant punch for the fight. So, uh, you know, David Lemieux, he said he was going to do everything he could do to, you know, he wasn't going to win, but he did as much as he could to win. So, you know, I guess Somewhat credit to him for lasting as long as he did. You know, his skin didn't completely fall apart, but <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, you know, but David, uh, but I was, you know, I like what David Benavides did. He was there to give his fans a show. He said he wanted everyone to leave entertained. That was his mission, and it was mission accomplished in, in a very big way. And the thing I appreciate even before that is that the way he handled Fight Week was very responsible with his time, you know, appreciate his fans um, engaging with the media. You know, he he handled it like a, a rising star, which is what PBC is grooming him to be. He said he wants to become the face of boxing in Arizona that, you know, really like two hours away is, you know, Oscar Valdez has Tucson, but that's really about it in the Phoenix area. So he has a very big opportunity, especially with the real estate that PBC owns at 168. Yeah. he ha- He has a huge opportunity to become a star and especially in his childhood hometown.
0: It's a few things from your response there. It's like he is one of the top guys that pbc has to build around yeah. uh it's pretty Absolutely. clear it's also fans i don't know if if you take a look around like he's only 25 years old yes Benavides yeah. has been around for a long time he like said he went pro in 2013 when he was like 15 or 16 years old so yeah. you know a young guy and you're right with him in terms of uh being media friendly i said this to him last week when i had I'm like ben you do a lot of interviews and you don't just give you know, BS answers, you're you're very respectful. Mm-hmm. That's going to go a long way too because, uh, you know, you want to get your story out there. So uh, I thought it yep. was a great performance. And sometimes it's about how you win uh, when it's a mismatch like that. We don't want to see you, you know, be seeing guys go in there and play with their food, you know, get a right. decision win. That's not enough. You know, sometimes you got to go in there and get your guy out of there spectacular fashion so you can start banging the drum for some of these fights that we want to see David Benavidez in. We're going to talk about that next too. 168 yep. pounds uh, is loaded. Uh, but before we get to the picture at 168, afterwards, Samskin, uh, Samskin uh, Lukowitz had some things to say. Obviously, everyone wants yes. to see Benavidez fight Canelo. Uh, he says right. that's not realistic. He said just stop. Right. Whether that was <laughs> just a way to get headlines, whether that was a way to entice Canelo, get under his skin. He says that Benavidez, Benavidez will be back in November against either Plant, uh, mm-hmm. Jamal Charlo, or or David Morell, what did you make of those comments from Samskin Lukowitz uh, saying that Canelo is, is not gonna be any time in the future?
1: So, in a sense, they're really on board with that because I, I had a very good conversation with Ben Vides, you know, before the, the fight, after the fight, and he said the same thing. Like he's gonna answer the questions about Canelo. He was the number one contender, so he you know, he felt he should have got the title shot based on that. He won the interim title, so that was he said, I got now I got the receipt. I'm next in line for him. But he understands the reality that Canelo was on his own path for 22 He told us he's on his own path for 2022. David gets that. That's why, you know, they went to PBC and said, I want to fight all these guys that we have. I want to fight all the names he mentioned, Caleb Plant, Jamal Charlo, David Morel. That's his checklist, perhaps even in that order, or maybe if you want to flip Morrell and Charlo. But so that's what Sampson is getting at. He's like, you know, you keep asking us questions about Canelo. David's gracious enough to answer. Sampson's not going to answer those anymore. He's like, look, Canelo's not going to fight us. You know, these are the fights that are going to happen. So let's get excited about And all three of them are damn good fights, you know, because if you think about it, if Caleb Plant doesn't fight um, Benavides after he beats um, uh, Anthony Durrell, who is he going to fight? Mm-hmm. All these guys, it's like, who is their next option? Like, if they don't fight David or if they don't, like, are we excited about Caleb Plant and David Morel? It's probably a good fight, but... It, it, like David Benavides has become like the driving force. Jamal Chalo as well. I think once he moves up, you know, he can be the A side of a big fight, even if he doesn't fight Benavides next. But, you know, these are the fights that we should be asking about, not just everyone standing in line waiting for a Canelo shot. Right. And even if all the sanctioning bodies did their job and properly enforced their mandatories and had good mandatories like David Benavides, he would still be last in line because the last mandatory that Canelo actually made was against Uh, Abney Yildring, which that, right, yeah, let's not even go there. But before that, Caleb made his IVF mandatory against Caleb Truax. So Zach Parker is actually next in line if Canelo had to make it mandatory. So Benavides would still be waiting out that title shot. So I like his attitude that he's not going to sit around. He's not going to take more fights like what he's had, that he wants to fight the big guns at 168. PBC has these guys, you know, they need to, you know, really, you know, drive the audience. He's willing to do it. As you said, you know, for as long as he's been around. He's twenty-five now. He's in his prime. And he's hitting his marketing prime too. That that's the big thing.
0: Yeah, he's got a great smile. He gives great quotes. He the Mexican monster. Mike Tyson gives him a nickname. Love that's that. another thing you can build upon. But it's not the worst thing to be asked <laughs> about Canelo everywhere you go. Uh, you know, I think a lot right. of fighters would, would love that. Uh but yeah, you're right. Let's look at it realistically. Samskin uh Lukowicz can see, you know, the tea leaves that you just uh pointed out. It's like, okay, so it's just not going to happen, even if Benavidez plays that the mandatory game, and even if he is the interim champion right now at 168. Yep. I mean, he's in a great position, uh, you know, with yep. some of these names. But when you look at 168 now, do you think it could mimic what we have seen over the last five years at 154, with 154 yep. being all under the same umbrella? The top guys at 168 are all with Showtime and PBC. It's Benavidez, Plant, Charlo, Morel. Someone like the domino has to fall first and it's either going to be Benavidez uh, versus Charlo. But if you take a look at it with Charlo, I think he's going to wait this out a little bit because if Canelo goes down to 168, I can see Charlo Canelo as a a safe landing spot. But my question for you is, do you think we can see what we saw at 154 within the PPC showtime umbrella play out at 168? i definitely do i i think it'll actually
1: generate more attention believe it or not because like i said i believe Benavides is a rising star the thing i like to like let's say hypothetically he fights david morrell next and he beats david morrell that would still be david david morrell's fighting on june 4th that'll be his seventh pro fight so if he wins that he fights Benavides and a he risky loses fight no right but he still only has eight fights into his pro career now granted he you know he had the amateur career to where you know it, it justifies him taking these big leaps but he still has time to reset in 2023 but even if David Benvidez loses, he still has time to reset in 2023. I know he's on like his third chance now with, you know, having failed a drug test and, and come in overweight. But, you know, again, these guys are young enough to where they're still going to be major players. Like, I mean, Jamel Charlo overcame a, a disputed loss to become undisputed champion with three fights later. So, you know, these guys, it's like a loss isn't going to ruin them. A, mm-hmm. a, a draw isn't going to ruin these guys. So I, I could definitely see 168, especially with PBC mixing a match in the right way. Yes, uh, from the rest of the year, 2023, maybe even to 2024, a lot of good fights on the horizon.
0: Yeah, I said 154 is like, could be with boxing, like could be you know like it, it could be yeah. uh, everything that's right with the sport you know Absolutely. top guys facing top guys if someone loses whatever next guy next guy up next and and just keep playing it all out and it's still playing on right now it's been going on for like five years now you know next guys yeah. s- step up whether it's Fondor, whether it's tim zoo you know brian castanio pretty much came and and burst onto the scene we got one guy in Jamel charlo that can play out at 168 um yep. what do you think is next for all these guys if you could play matchmaker if you could you know look into your crystal ball what would you say is next for Benavides? like what are the what are the next two or three fights for for all these guys
1: um so before it, it was weird I did an interview with him before the Earl Spencer Dennis Ugas fight and his sense was that if they get Caleb and Darrell in the ring quick enough that and Caleb Plant wins that would be his next fight then the whole thing happened with him and Charlo you know they, they went after each other you know at uh ringside for the Spence fight so after that he kind of got the sense you know what maybe this Charlo fight does have some some traction to it they're making a very strong push for David Morell, believe it or not. So, I find if that David Morell leaves, it is. It's crazy. of the
0: of all of them. <laughs> right? It's like, Six what do you 0. gain? Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I guess for them, with it had Benavidez, well, Benavidez, he did win, had Zach Parker and Demetrius Andrade for it. That was supposed to be for the WBO interim title.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whoever won that, WBC and WBO already agreed to create, like have them fight. They're calling a unified mandatory challenger. As ridiculous as it sounds, at least it's one less guy standing in line, you know, waiting for a Canelo fight. Yeah. So that same theory would be applied if David Benes excuse me, David Benavides fought David morrell You have the secondary WBA title holder, the secondary WBC title holder. Again, one less guy standing around waiting for the winner of Canelo and Triple G3, which as, you know, we're we're speculating will be the fight. So I I, I can't see that strong push for that. Now, especially we don't have a date yet for Plant and Durrell. It I think it should be announced soon, but If that fight takes place any later than July, that's not a realistic option for November. It should be. I mean, you know, guys should be able to fight two or three times a year, but they're not. So understanding the schedule, you can't expect them to turn around that quickly.
0: Right. So look who it's, you know, kind of tipped his hand. You know, it's either going to be Plant. It's either going to be Charlo. It's either going to be Morel. kind of painted himself into a corner. Like we just said, Plant may not be ready in time. Uh, Charlo, if he's smart, like he's getting closer and closer to a Canelo fight. You know, if Canelo fights at 168 and wins, I know he's talking about Bivol, but... Yeah, uh, it's just a it's a twisted up situation. And you know what could happen, Jake? Sure. Gennady Golovkin can somehow beat Canelo. And then he's the guy yeah. at 168. And then we could see this all over again, that guys that were at 160 uh, circling Golovkin could be happening at 168. Oh, let's yeah, go to 160 crazy. now. Uh, we saw a fight this weekend. Janabek Alimahan Huli. I just destroyed his name. I'm just gonna go with. How about let's just for the We're same, gonna go with Janabek. We're just gonna yep. go with Janabek. The guy's the guy's a beast. Uh, we knew that. He's improving every time he steps in the ring. Danny Dignam. Uh, this was not a good matchup here. Uh, he, he was yep. out of there in the. He got knocked down the first round. Uh, you know, falling down on feints, gets brutalized with a, a a nasty, nasty knockout. But Janabek has shown that he is now a player at 160, a division where three of the champions, Jake are flirting with 168 in Canelo, a wide-open division. The once once was the glamour division of boxing is a barren wasteland. It is a division uh, that is now just waiting for Canelo. But we have a new player, uh, and he goes by the name of Janabek.
1: Janabek, yeah. Yeah, no, fantastic performance. Again, he was the one who chased – for all the guys who don't want to fight Demetrius Andrade, he was the one who chased after that fight. And in a sense, he kind of chased Andrade into looking at 168 just because – he didn't want to take another fight that didn't have a lot of profile on it. So, again, you know, just what David Benavidez did in Glendale, Janabek did that in Las Vegas against an overmatched opponent. He didn't, like you said, he didn't play with his food. He went in there and he just absolutely annihilated this guy. Um, Dignum style, I, I thought that Janabek, he, he, he's another one. He's an accumulation puncher. I thought he was just going to brutalize him for like maybe five or six rounds, yeah. kind of similar to what he did to Rob Rant and to, you know, Hassan and Dom. Um, but, yeah, I, I, it was it was beautiful to see that he just you know he showed this guy you don't belong in the ring with me and just blasting him out, and like you said, middleweight division it's it's ridiculously barren right now. So just because nobody has fought each other, I mean, we had the one unification bout earlier with Gennady and Ryota Murata, but but that's been it.
0: That's been it. It's it's so, wild. Right, and
1: then Gennady did that as kind of like you know marking time, waiting on his Canelo fight because. Right. If, if the Canola fight didn't win, I'll come. It's like, who is he going to fight next? So right. the,
0: the question yeah. would be is like Andrade was supposed to fight at 168. Zach Parker didn't right. happen. Uh, shoulder yes. injury. Haven't heard much from Team Andrade since that uh, fight w- was canceled. What, do you, could you see him sticking at 168 to fight Janabek? Uh, I know Golovkin's not going to fight Janabek, even though Janabek said that uh, Golovkin's a sellout for using the Mexican-style moniker, which I thought w- was interesting. It's a good way to, to carry some headlines, but I mean, what's going on with this division? I mean, it, it's just all over the place. You have guys yeah. like Charlo, who is a champion, who is talking about going up to one, 168, but his next fight is is at 160. Andrade had a fight scheduled at 168. Golovkin, right. as we record this, is going to be fighting Canelo at 168 pounds. So what is going on in this division? Is Janabek someone that could is just like the beneficiary of these three guys moving up?
1: Um, Definitely with Andre, and I, I like that top rank. Seems like they're willing to invest in this guy too. The, what's going to work to Janibek's favor? The fact that the Parker Andre fight got canceled. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that Demetrius Andre now has 180 days to defend his title against Janibek or give it up completely. So that's good news for Janibek. That interim title. This is where interim titles do work. Like you know, when they're used properly, they they are effective for a guy like Janibek. He doesn't get screwed out of that title shot. Zach Parker is the one who's getting screwed now because. There's no guarantee that the fight, you know, with Andre gets rescheduled. So I don't know what's happening at 168 and why he wouldn't get Canelo next. But as far as 160, Janovec, um, he can now once again chase after Andre. He, you know, Andre is going to have to fight him or give up that belt if he's going to look at any fight at 168. But then the question is, if he gives up the belt, do we get Janabek and maybe a Chris Eubank Jr.? It's I, I don't know who the hell he's going to fight because once you – Get past that championship level; the, the contender yeah. level is just miserable. There's I was going to no say t- the other yeah. guys.
0: I have the other guys penciled here. It's Jaime <laughs> Munguia, who yeah. should not be listed as an other guy because he's so talented. Right. And, but we can do a whole podcast on that guy's career and the arc that it's taken and what's going on with Jaime Munguia. Chris Eubank right. is one of the other guys. Carlos Adamas is one of the other guys. These aren't; good, these are good fighters. But this is this is how steep it falls off. If right. the champions at the division put, uh, move up to 168 and, and they don't uh, fight each other. I mean, 160 is, is just strange, strange land in a, in a division that was always considered, you know, one of the best. It was always like, you know, lightweight, 147, 160, right. and heavyweight. So, it's interesting. Yeah. So, maybe Janabek can emerge. Uh, I think you're right. top rank. Uh, is going to hype this guy up almost ad nauseum. Uh, I know you were, I don't know if you went back and watched the telecast. I know you were in in, in Arizona, yeah. but there was a lot of hype around this guy there. It's pretty clear that they're going to get that ESPN top-ranked machine uh, behind this guy, and maybe he can yeah. rule the division.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Mugia. For some reason, he is still the number one contender in the WBO. So after his fight with Jimmy, assuming he beats Jimmy Kelly, I mean, we've seen some crazy upsets this year. So maybe him kind of nibbling around the edges, bites him in the ass in, yeah. in June. But, it, you know, assuming he gets past him, he's going to have to fight someone. He can't um, he can't get away with not fighting Charlo, not fighting Andre, not fighting for the title and staying number one. So he's going to have to either give up that spot or go chase one of these guys pretty soon. So I, I would love to see Janabek Mungia. That would Ooh, be, be awesome. uh, top-ranking, right, top-ranking Golden Boy doing business together. That's a risky, risky fight for Mungia, who has already walked away from that fight. He had the chance to fight Janabek for this very title. And he just never responded to the offer. So that's why I keep going back to Chris Eubank Jr. You know, he's next in line in that alphabet rankings. Um, top rank and um uh with the you know, top rank has a good relationship with Sky Sports in the UK too. Mm-hmm. That's a fight I can see, you know, doing good business in the UK because you have to start marketing Janabek. That's the thing. Eubank,
0: Eubank. versus Janabek, I can see that in the UK. You know what's yeah, and that- Andrade? The fact that Andrade is a uh free agent, um, you know, he could He's got some leverage. You know, if he decides, I want to stay at 160, maybe top rank ESPN, throw him a bag, and it's like right. overpay him, give him a three fight deal, and maybe one of those fights is, is Janovic. Do you, could you see that playing out? I know that's kind of like pie in the sky, but I'm just kind of spitballing here in a division yeah. that has very, uh, it's very up in the air. I can see
1: it. Um, I'd have to look. I'd have to ask, but I thought that he still had one more fight with Matchroom because the fight with Zach Parker didn't happen. Ah, right. I don't believe that invalidates the contract. I believe he still owes them, or they owe, whichever way you want to look at it. Right. Either he owes them one more fight, or he'll, they owe him one more fight. But they could do that fight, and he could leverage that, say, "Hey, you know, I fight Janibek. Here's my safety net. I'll go fight a top rank. You know, I, I don't know what top rank would give him at that point because, again, the middleweight division is just all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, all, the titles are just really spread out. You know, on three different platforms. So, oh. um, but I, that's why I, I like the idea of you know they have to get Janibek some profile because he's not a big ticket seller yet. He's not you know he's not going to draw in audiences, but he has the style to do that. So you get him in with the right names, and that helps build his profile and You know, what I hope they avoid is making him the next, you know, the second Gennady Golovkin. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do that. I mean, he 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 criticized them. Exactly. Yeah, he's, you know, he's just perfect as Janovic. He's already got a good name, you know, to to kind of build around so yeah, let, let's right?
0: just go let's just go with that and let's not you know do Great. the whole mexican style thing where where exactly. you know golovkin obviously it was a scheme a marketing scheme because he's completely abandoned that once he got that new deal with with the zone but bless yeah. uh my like i i uh, actually had diggum lasting six seven rounds i did a, a same game a same day parlay for for DraftKings. i had okay. i had uh Bawazi, Richards going to distance so that hit first and I was happy with that plus 230 and then I had Digum uh surviving until the seventh but getting knocked out uh seven through 12 and same thing with Lemieux uh I had seven Lemieux winning in seven through 12 obviously it did not hit uh but that's what's going on at 160 let's go to 175 quickly Joshua Boatsy gets the win over Craig Richards obviously just said went the distance uh Good performance. These are the type of performances you need uh, to climb that ladder. I don't think he's ready for the top talent at 175. Like, your thoughts on that. But it's a division that has a great top four at 175. Guys that are all willing and have good profiles, especially Dimitri Bivol. We're going to see what's going to go on. Would better be Evan Joe Smith. And you got Zerto Ramirez uh, lingering around, too. Boatze, I think, is on the fringes uh, or on the fringe of of that discussion. But a good, solid win for Boatze on Saturday on The Zone.
1: Yeah. And even better, it was that like Watsi, the one criticism about him is that he's not always the most entertaining fighter. So we got that as well. I thought it was a very good fight from both of them because Craig Richards is a bit of a wild card in that as well. But I I really enjoyed the fight. It wasn't my favorite fight of the weekend, but I liked the performance from both guys Neither guys went in negative. You know, they both went to win. They both went to outfight each other and they gave us that. So Watsi Virgil Hunter said it best that, you know, he doesn't want to throw this guy to the wolves, you know, so early he's got, you know, the, the Olympic pedigree, I, he is on the verge of fighting for a title, but he doesn't need to be next for a title. Like mm-hmm. I think Eddie mentioned that, you know, what about Boatsey and Betterby? have been, you know, I, I forget Virgil's exact response. He was like, like, whoa, wanna...
0: whoa, whoa, wait a second. Yeah.
1: Why do you want to drag him down with you? Yeah. I like the way he put that. He's like, there's no need to, you know, get him a title just for the sake of him having a title. He wants mm-hmm. to get him to the point that once he fights these guys, that he wants to win a belt and stay champion. I, I love that mentality. I like that Virgil's trying to protect them in that regard. So, the question is, how, you know, do you just keep him active? He's, I think, going to be number two now, right behind Zulo Ramirez for the uh, the WBA belt. Now, as you said, if uh, Canelo and Triple G do wind up fighting in September, that means Demetri Bivol will probably have to honor a mandatory title defense. That could give us Bivol and Zula, so that would leave Watsi. It's like, what do you do with that ranking? He's going to fight, want to fight at least once or twice more. Whether yeah. the second fight is a title shot, you know, you just got to keep him active. So. Do you risk him in against, like, a Callum Smith? You know, I'm trying to think of, like, the the guys that the zone could throw at him because Callum, I think, is number one. You know, is he going to wait out? Better be than Joe Smith. He's the number one contender of the WBC. So, yeah, I I can see those guys kind of do what everyone else is doing at 168, waiting on Canelo. I think a few guys are just going to kind of wait out that title shot. None of them should risk it.
0: Right, but 175 is a division where I think we won't see Canelo out for a while, and it's a division where these guys aren't waiting for Canelo, whereas 168 160, everyone's got that, you know, ticket out waiting for Canelo to choose them. 175, I think, is the division where they don't have that cloud hanging over them, where better be Evan Smith are obviously fighting June 18th. Uh, Zerto, circuit. these are all good fights, but I do agree with you. Boazzi, you don't have to throw him in there with with some of these big guys yet. You know, he's a guy that can sell tickets over uh, in the UK. He had a great crowd there, a spirited fight back and forth uh bwatsi was in control for the majority of the fight but another name that we can add to this really uh fun 175 pound picture and hopefully uh you know they all start to fight each other i think they want to too that's the thing it's like a lot of these guys are on the north side of 30. uh better be looking for big fights joe smith obviously will fight anyone zerto will fight Will wants big fights i mean golden boy's pushing the the hell out of him and then you add bwatsi uh, with the whole UK and Eddie behind him, fun division, really, really fun division. All right, uh Jake, let's. Um, I'm sorry, not to
1: dive too far. but well, one name I did want to throw out there, and he just won on Friday night. Jean Pascal wouldn't be a bad fight yeah. for uh, Bewati. Well, he's always one. yeah, he, he's ruined a lot of guys' careers, and you know he's also been beaten by some very good fighters. So that would be you know Bewati could maybe like find his dimitri Bebo moment with with Pascal, where you know he's he's coming in off a big win off a, a fan long. You know he's probably going to want a title shot, but. Again, the belts are kind of tied up. They're going to have to wait their title shots. Anthony Yard will probably get the next shot and right. the better be of Angel Smith winner. So these guys, I, I think that, that w- I would love to see that fight maybe within the next fight or two for Bawatsi. So I would also, I want to see Bawatsi like, maybe 20 and all that's when he fights for the titles. And he could be fighting for the Undisputed Championship by that
0: point. There's a lot going on at 175, a fun division. Uh, let's yes. talk about, before we say goodbye, uh, last week, out of nowhere, a Fight of the Year discussion broke out on Twitter. It must have been a slow <laughs> day. Uh, I responded to one of your tweets, set off like a domino effect. It um, did. Later, I realized that you said it was a leading fight, either, not the leading fight of the year. That we're talking about Charlo Castano. Uh, we're getting closer to the halfway point uh, of the yep. year, it's been a phenomenal few months. Um, fight of the year discussion, uh, there's not something you have to have in May or, or, or June, but it is fun to, to talk about. Um, right. my top three right now, in no, no order, oh, I, let, let me put it in order just so I can get it on the record here. I got Fondora Lubin, number one. I got Wood Conlon, number two, and I got Charlo Castaño, number three. These are all great fights, close fights, title implications. One's an undisputed fight. You know, one was like mm-hmm. an eliminator of sorts for the WBA. One was an, Another one was uh, an, an eliminator of sorts, too, for the WBC or, or whatever it was with Fondora and Lubin. But that's my order right now. What do you got? Uh, pretty much the
1: same thing and i'm assuming we're limiting it to men fighters well that's another Depends. my next question right. would be that gotcha well because the female fight of the year is slam dunk yes but yeah as far as the men it's weird like the order you just mentioned um lubin fandora finished dead last in that little poll that i did uh, you yeah. know the four fights i listed um but i'm with you to me that was you know, the, the best fight of the year um i, I guess it was as significant as wood conlin i just felt it had more red and flow a uh, little higher skill level mm-hmm. wood conlin was like is always going to be remembered for its amazing ending you know wood you know, he was dead to rights and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, dropped Conlon in the 11th and then just completely knocked him out in the 12th. That's what put that in the fight of the year discussion. But it seemed like Conlon was kind of running away with the fight up until Wood had that great surge late. Charlo Castano, the reason why I mentioned it, the first six rounds were like, it was somehow better than the first fight. It yeah. was, to me, I was like, okay, this is the fight of the year. It's like, if it keeps up this pace. to It's to Jamel Charlo's testament that it's not the leading candidate mm-hmm. because he he started to pull away in the second half. So that's what drops it down on the list, but it still has to be in that discussion, but I'm with you for now. Sebastian from and Erickson Lubin is my fight of the year pick among the men.
0: Isn't it a great thing that we have like four or five options, yes. and we're in May, and we have a loaded exactly. uh, June and July, and we expect yep. the second half of the year where Terence Crawford and Errol Spence are going to tangle. We're going to see Usyk right. and Joshua get in there again. We're going to see some of the bigger names that fought earlier this year fight their second fight of the year. So that's like what it means to. I know it gets it's a it's a volatile question. It's on Twitter. There's not a lot of nuance on Twitter, but right. you know you say, listen, like we're we're getting huge fights. It wasn't a knock on Charles Custanio. I just think Absolutely. that you're right. Your, your point there where Charlo erased all doubt and it kind of yeah. went from a very even fight, a close fight for six rounds to the yeah. point where Charlo just just put his foot on the gas pedal and, and got him out of there. Still great atmosphere for an undisputed fight. Uh, Absolutely. Awesome stuff from there. Now, next question for you. You're part of the Boxing Writers Association. You're a, a picture of vice president of Boxing Writers Association. That's correct. Okay. So will Taylor Serrano be part of the men's fight of the year or will it be its own category because i feel like there hasn't been a fight in the women's division that in this discussion to be with with the men because if that's the case if taylor serrano was added to the men then we have ourselves a whole new conversation here yeah so it's
1: weird the only category where we really vote on um like female fighter is the fighter of the year category so like amanda serrano won it last year katie taylor won it two years before that Clarissa shields won it before that but that's the only female exclusive category and like none of them have ever been nominated for like you know, like any, you know, like, for example, just um Jordan Maldonado is not the named, you know, trainer of the year for training right. Amanda Serrano. So they've never been in the fight. This is the first time where I've seen the BWA, like, you know, they, they tweeted out that this fight will be nominated among the men. Wow. So I, it's, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it, it should be in the discussion already. I just don't know why we haven't done it. I mean, because Michaela Mayer and Maia Hamadou should have been in that discussion Absolutely. last year. Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas the year before. It's like there's been, yeah you know, we know, there's been just these amazing fights. Katie Taylor, Delphine Pursun, both fights, really, but especially that first one. It's like, I, I don't know why we're picking this. I guess because of the historical significance, you know, it's like, okay, it has to be in the discussion. But maybe it is time that, you know, we, we have to expand the, the male and female awards. If we're still going to uh, give out a male fighter of the year and a female fighter of the year then we have to expand you know, those other categories as well. Otherwise, it has to be all-inclusive in every single category.
0: I, I agree there, but you're right. It's just like, look, the sport – I mean, women's boxing yeah. is growing every day. I mean, this is a, a breakthrough year for women's boxing. It hasn't always yeah. been the case. There haven't, haven't always been three or four fights to choose from for uh, women right. fight of the year, but now we have that. So if you have a yeah. chance to uh, – where we know – going forward hopefully i mean i don't see it going backwards where there will be five or six to choose from so they can have their own category but that's interesting taylor serrano being included with with the men this year because i mean you were there i was there i mean you don't have to be there to to know what how special of a night that was that is the uh clear runaway fight of the year uh for me (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, men or female,
1: it, it is, it and that that is another reason why maybe it's you know it has to be in that discussion because it is so much better than every other. To me, that is the fight of the year for every reason you just mentioned, like yeah. the significance. It was the undisputed championship. The two best female fighters in the world going at it. Just the atmosphere. I mean. I you know, I'm Irish, my wife's Puerto Rican. I grew up around Boulevard culture. So like that was like a perfect storm of like all these worlds colliding in New York, no less.
0: Right. And your so wife was like into the fight, so that means a lot. Yeah, exactly.
1: So. Like texting me, like, oh my God, I can't believe it. So yeah. yeah, I mean that was yeah, that was like it was the fight of the year. It's arguably the event of the year as well. So no, I mean, it, maybe, it, it
0: had so much pressure. There was so much pressure on those two ladies to deliver because if it ended up being a dud, it, you know, it would have set yeah. back the sport, it would have set back women's boxing, but it over delivered as for Yeah, it for once. delivered, Well, and Ed, Eddie
1: Hearn and Jake Paul had it delivered. Too, because you know for as first they you yeah. know we know everybody loves those two so i thought it was as big, much as they everything
0: everything went right you were there at all the press conferences you were there at exactly the everything felt different uh, i was yeah. just like man i hope the fight delivers and we kind of knew it would on paper you know uh yeah. you know the power of amanda and the the perseverance of katie they're gonna fight Absolutely. again. Maybe fight three times because that's just, they're just perfect for each other. But that's yeah, right. that's an interesting debate, and uh, I think that's something that will rage on for the next uh, couple months. A fun debate. I mean, this is good. We're talking about the health of the sport. The fact that there are Absolutely. five, six, seven. Uh, fight of the year candidates in May is a a really, really good thing. All right, Jake. I appreciate the time, man. Uh, This was fun. Let's get you back on again soon. Keep that New York accent. Uh, Don't ever change. (laughs) Hopefully the Knicks uh, can (laughs) remain or get back into the playoff contention and we can all be happy. But thanks a lot for coming on.
1: Dan, thanks so much. It's a pleasure being on here. Really appreciate it.
0: All right, great work from Jake Donovan. Very thorough conversation on what's going on in three different weight classes. Hopefully we see some clarity last week we introduced mailbag monday and it was a great success so we're going to bring back mailbag monday again i got some great questions here uh you know tweet at me uh on sundays or even now we'll get next week's going too um but our first question comes from slime recruit he says do you truly believe that canelo benavidez is unlikely do you think being the uh the challenge seeking champ that he is Canelo will be willing to take on the Mexican monster. Well, after talking to Jake and, and, and figuring out everything that's going on uh, with the mandatories and Canelo getting the blessing from the WBC, you know, to, to fight uh, Golovkin and everything that's going on with everything else. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but I do think it happens. It's a matter of time. It's just a matter of when. You know, Benavidez playing his cards perfectly, becoming the uh, interim champion uh, uh, with the WBC at 168. So by rule, Canelo's will have to see him soon. If he wants to keep all his straps at 168, uh, could Benavidez go on to fight a Charlo or Morel, uh maybe get knocked off, who knows? It's a fight I want to see. I tweeted afterwards. I want The fight at 168 to me is Canelo versus Benavidez. I think that Benavidez is the best fighter at 168 not named canelo alvarez do i think he can beat canelo uh maybe but probably not i think canelo can hammer away at the body there's one thing on benavidez is he's he is defense is is not elite it's not up to par with his offense so canelo can hammer to the body you can get a win but it's pretty clear to me at 168 the man other than canelo is is david benavidez and and canelo's going to be asked about it everywhere he goes now it's it's just that's what it is if Benavides keeps knocking dudes off, he's been a two-time champion. I understand a lot of that. Uh, he's a two-time champion by being undefeated, and being undefeated is because you know he failed the drug test. It's because he lost a title on the scales. But he has been the guy at 168 for a while. That is Benavidez, and he could do a lot of things in there that can give Canelo issues. Throw close to 60, 70 punches around. Good power, good jab, active. Those are things that give Canelo fits. I do think it happens. It's just a matter of when does it happen. Luis Ceja, could Benavidez end up with a Zerto-type career where he doesn't get the big fights as one of the physically biggest of the division? I don't think so. I think Benavidez will get these top fights. He has a better promoter. Uh, he's got the PBC behind him. He's got a whole network behind him. I don't think he'll make the same mistakes that Zerto did. You know, uh, I don't think he'll make the same mistakes of sitting out for— I hope he doesn't—sitting out for— you know two three years or two however long zerto uh sat out in a contract dispute um i think he'll learn from that i think benavidez and the pbc i think the pbc has too much invested in benavidez look at that crowd uh you know that's a whole market that they can just keep uh tapping into only 25 years old uh as for being the the physically biggest the division that you know that that's, he's been that for a while now they could call him a weight bully Uh, but he's starting to make that weight a lot better. Uh, He's going to be physically bigger than Caleb Plant. He's going to be physically bigger than Jamal Charlo, but, you know, still going to weigh the same. That's why they have weight classes. So I don't think he'll make the same mistakes as Zerto. I think Benavidez uh, has got a little bit of a better um, promoter and a better team with him. Joshua Miller S. Do you think Josh Taylor will give Jack Catterall a rematch in his next fight? And if that rematch does happen, how do you see it going? Well, according to Ben Davison, trainer of uh, Josh Taylor, a rematch with Jack Catterall is the fight that he wants. There's also top-ranked news last week. They're pushing for a Josh Taylor-Jose Ramirez, excuse me, Josh Taylor-Jose Cepeda fight. I think that Catterall fight has to happen next for Josh Taylor. It's going to follow him for the rest of his career if he doesn't try to rectify uh that win <laughs> as funny as that sounds cuz i had catterall winning uh that first fight so it's either it's going to have to happen soon too cuz i think that taylor wants to fight in july or august so it's either going to be a catterall rematch which i think is probably easy to make could end up on espn2 or it could be just an in-house top rank fight between taylor and zapata I hope it's Catterall. I hope that's the fight next. I I think Josh Taylor can win the rematch if he uh, does the right thing: hire a strength and conditioning coach, a nutritionist, make that weight better. Because um, so I do think Josh Taylor is the more talented fighter, has more raw skills. I just think he was, you know, look at one, you know, had one foot out the door, going to 147. Obviously, he's not doing that. And Catterall had a good game plan, but if, I think they fought ten times. You know, Josh Taylor would win the majority uh, of those fights. Donovan Cass, my guy, uh, in a sport that usually doesn't have the most pleasant endings to one's career, who do you think bowed out most gracefully? Uh, Lennox Lewis comes to mind first. The fact that he retired as the heavyweight king of boxing, uh, didn't you know, have any comebacks, just went out on top and you know, has that distinguished vibe to him. A guy that didn't stick around too long, went out as the heavyweight champion that holds a lot of water for me. Obviously, there's Andre Ward, who also went out on top. As a unified champ, uh, Floyd Mayweather left the sport with all his faculties, as I'll tell you over and over again. It's one of his, his main uh, talking points. But those are the three of the modern era that come to mind. Lennox Lewis, Andre Ward, uh, Floyd Mayweather. I hope this list continues to grow. It's the worst thing in the sport is seeing guys stick around too long, legends stick around too long, like, you know, Sugary Leonard sticking around too long, you know, Manny Pacquiao. I mean, you can go on and on. Uh, Mike Tyson losing in an, an exhibition fight or Mike Tyson losing uh, the last couple fights of his career of Andrew Holyfield. I mean, I <laughs> could sit here for, for days talking about fighters that stuck, uh, you know went on too long and uh, kind of embarrassed themselves. Finally, last question comes from David Cushion. I know where this question's going. Dan, what is your favorite fight from any of the Rocky and Creed movies? For me, it's got to be Rocky's rematch with Clubber in Rocky Three. Great fight. Clubber versus Rocky Three. I got to go with Rocky, Ivan Drago, Rocky Four. Russia, Christmas night, Cold War is lurking over the fight. It ended up being an outstanding one, too. Drago, I actually ran, went back and did the stats on this. Drago ended 61 of 72 punches in the first round. You don't see that type of percentages anymore. Rocky only threw 21 punches in the first round. Total domination from Drago. Then round two came. Rocky, you know, he dug down deep. Finally landed something on Drago. Not only landed, but cut Drago. And then Drago went on. Back and forth, 12, 13, 14 rounds. Just when you thought it was going to be over for Rocky. He lands 17 of 18. giving Giving us that final stand for the ages. Knocks out Drago. Wins the Cold War. Wins the, over the crowd in Russia, for me, will always be Rocky 4. It will always be Rocky versus Drago. There isn't any wrong answers here besides Rocky versus Thunderlips or Rocky Balboa, the fifth uh, inst- installment of Rocky, which absolutely sucked. There it is, Mailbag Monday. There it is, our episode for the week. Shout-out to Ronnie Jerez for producing this show. He graduates from Seton Hall this week. Got a job waiting for him here at John Boy. What a life. What a life from young Ronnie, the producer. Uh, Thanks to Jake Donovan for coming on the show, and thank you for listening. We're going to be back Thursday with a very, very special edition of Inside Boxing Live on the road. That's all I can say right now. It's a secret, but you'll you'll be hearing about it on Thursday. Thank you, everybody. Catch you next time.